commence primary ignition. You will find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. You must unlearn what you have learned. I'm looking forward to completing your training. Welcome to Coruscant Community College, a new podcast that focuses on studying Star Wars as text. I'm Craig Dickinson. And I'm Matt Leader. Today on the show, we'll continue sharing the methods we've developed to lead students through a critical study of film. In this episode, we'll be doing an overview of sound. Now, like cinematography, a film's sound can be broken down into three sub-aspects. So we're going to take a closer look at each of those now. And the first sub-aspect we like to look at is sound effects. And when we're talking about sound effects, the first thing we're going to talk about is sound design, which is basically sound that's used to make the story sound real. And along with that, we have this concept called Foley, uh, which is named after the first guy that did this. And it's basically using real-life objects to simulate what you're hearing, what you should be hearing on the screen. And one guy that we want to definitely draw focus to is this guy named Gary Hecker. That's H-E-C-K-E-R. And you should definitely Google this guy. There's lots of videos uh, that you can find for him, and we'll provide some in the show notes as well. But this guy has almost 400 credits. Uh, he started his work on The Empire Strikes Back. He's done all the Spider-Man films, several of the DC films, including Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and lots of other dramas, everything. The guy ranges all over the place, but he is he's one of the best. Definitely. And I can't remember where I first heard about Foley sound design. My gut is saying that it was from the behind the scenes of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't know about you, but that's kind of where my love of like how movies are made comes from is watching all those behind the scenes. Um, and then I think it's Empire Dreams. Is that the documentary that focuses yeah. on the original trilogy, which is also amazing. Uh, but they, they kind of cover fully design. And what blew me away was when you make a film at home, right, where right. you're filming something and you rewatch it and it just doesn't quite feel like the movies. A lot of that is the fully sound design. Those little sound effects, just the rustle of clothes, whatever it is that make movies sound like movies and not homemade. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. We say it's, you know, what makes the story sound real, but reality doesn't quite sound real. It's just yeah, what exactly. our expectation is for for film or for television. Yes. And it's one of those things where in Star Wars, because it's science fiction, you get a lot of those sound effects like a lightsaber. And obviously that doesn't exist in real life. So someone has to go in and kind of create that sound. But even quote unquote realistic movies, historical movies or whatever, have plenty of fully sound design uh, for everything that they do. Yeah. So you mentioned um, Empire of Dreams, and that's a thing that I would definitely recommend taking a look at. Um, yeah. Seeing Ben Burt's early uh, recordings of things like the blaster sound, um, where Chewbacca's growls and stuff come from, which actually does come from 
real life sounds just mixed together. So that's another uh, interesting resource. Yeah. I would say though, that as far as like Foley and sound effects, I don't know how much you can kind of analyze and draw meaning from those sound effects. Um, I think that's a little bit more difficult than soundtrack, which we're about to cover next. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, I was just going to say that uh, for me, when I'm teaching students uh, uh, how to track sound effects, it's more about just being observant Mm -hmm. uh, of that they're happening and being aware that the sound that is presented is not the original sound that was recorded. Yeah. So yeah, determining meaning is kind of a tricky thing and it doesn't work for everything. Right. But you should be able to pull out at least one or two sounds that have a very uh, intentional and powerful meaning. And I think it's also, like you said, uh, the Foley sound is really good for just building awareness mm-hmm. of, of sound in movies. Because once you start paying attention to it, you will notice it a lot more. Absolutely. So we can kind of, if you're all right with this, we can kind of transition to soundtrack. Yeah, sounds good. And so when we're talking about soundtrack, that is the music that is playing while the movie's going on. And one of the things that we found is that students very, very rarely pay attention to the music. And that's kind of a mistake that a lot of beginner film students make. And, you know, we're talking about our kids who don't really have any kind of exposure to the movie making process, analyzing film as text. And that's a mistake because music has this unconscious emotional uh, reaction to it, right? And it's kind of telling the viewer what to feel. In the last episode, I kind of mentioned how color is kind of like a wink and a nudge towards what you're supposed to be feeling. And I would say soundtrack is a step above that. It's a little bit more on the nose, although it's still way more subtle than dialogue or action. And like you could definitely prove this, right? If you just take a still image, still image of a bunch of younglings, and you play the force theme, right? And like think what is about to happen next would be very different than if you play the imperial march over a series of younglings, right? Right. And so just like what that reaction, what you feel like is going to happen next, the music has a very, very real impact on how you respond to that that image. And we can kind of talk about uh, diegetic versus non-diegetic. Diegetic music is the characters can either uh, hear it themselves or are performing it. And there's a couple examples in Star Wars. Uh, the Cantina Band, right, is one example. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite one is uh, the Imperial March in Solo. When Han Solo is signing up to be an Imperial soldier, right, there's like this ad that plays and you can hear the Imperial March in it. And that's diegetic. The characters can hear it and we can hear it. And like the example that I would give is when you're walking around in normal life, you don't have a soundtrack to your life, right? But in movies, you kind of expect a soundtrack to be there. So the music that the viewers, the audience can hear, but the characters cannot would be non-diegetic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a fun thing to have kids look at too when sometimes it'll transition depending on what movie that you're watching. Um, Music might start as diegetic and then transfer into non-diegetic or vice versa and just wondering you know asking them why uh what's the use of the music here what is it trying to do why would it be diegetic why is it important that the characters can hear it or cannot you know you get a lot of 
uh, dramatic irony, for instance. You mentioned the thing mm-hmm. with like the Padawans. If you start hearing the Imperial March, you're like those those kids are doomed. But yes. since they can't hear it, they don't know. We know it's an audience. <laughs> so you can right. have this foreboding thing that's going to happen. But I think that's actually one of the most interesting uses of soundtrack is when you have a image and you have music that does not match up with what you would expect. And like horror movies use this all the time, right? You see a young child and you have creepy music playing over the child. You get this creepy feeling, right? right? And it's the same with the example of the younglings. And so that is a a tool that the filmmakers will use to give the viewers an idea of what's going to happen next in the film without kind of spoiling it, right? Absolutely. And then Star Wars, I would say, is is one of the rarer films that uses leitmotif. So leitmotif is really just essentially theme music. So different characters have a song, essentially, that represents them, or an idea is represented through music. And I wouldn't say that most modern films, at least, have leitmotif, but another example would be The Lord of the Rings is filled with leitmotifs and you have uh, examples, right? If I say the Imperial March, if you heard that song, you would think of a very specific character, right? Or at least the dark side, you think of Vader. If you hear the Force theme, you might think a little bit of Luke, but in general, it's kind of that sound and you have that feeling of Star Wars and of hope. And so leitmotif is another tool that filmmakers can use to add meaning to film by kind of adjusting what the audience is thinking of whether or not that's represented on the screen in the images. Yeah. And for me, leitmotif is the main thing that I focus on when I'm teaching star Wars to kids. Uh, it's almost like a, uh, you're like a checklist. You're looking for certain things, um, or a counter like, okay, well, how many times am I going to hear the force theme today? How many leitmotifs can I pick out from today's viewing? That's the main thing that I have kids focus on because it is so prevalent in star Wars. And I think it's a thing that you can really, train yourself to listen for yeah okay and then the last sub aspect that we want to focus on uh, with sound is what we're going to call vocal sounds and it's really kind of a leftover category for lack of a better term because it covers a lot of stuff that we had just haven't covered previously but it's also important stuff Uh, and the first part of that is narration which is just the act or process of telling a story describing what happens Uh, and this would be in first or in third person. And so this would be kind of usually as a framing device. Typically you won't see this much in star Wars, but you'll see it in a lot of films where they'll have some exposition at the beginning. That's that's read to you or just spoken to you in star Wars. We get it through the crawl mainly, but some films choose to have narration going back to Lord of the Rings. There have that, that great narration at the beginning from Gladriel kind of explaining where we're at as opposed to having to read several paragraphs. Uh, The next part of, vocal sounds is voiceover, which is similar, but I would differentiate between narration and this because this is the voice of a visible character. You see them on screen and they're expressing some kind of unspoken thoughts, or a lot of times it's somebody who's off screen uh, reading something like you'll see a letter or an email or something, and you'll hear the voice uh, of the person who wrote it. And then finally, the last uh, section under vocal sounds is background noise, which we're defining as any other noises that are made by human voice that isn't dialogue. This might be something over a loudspeaker. It could be an announcer on a radio. 
uh, on a television, providing exposition, those kind of things. Uh, but the one that we really want to talk about here is the Wilhelm scream, mm-hmm. which I'll go ahead and play for you here. And so the Wilhelm scream is a sound effect. Uh, it's very much an Easter egg because it's used in the first Star six Star Wars films, all the Indiana Jones films, the TV series, and tons of other films and shows. And it's a thing that kids just love to pick out. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the most fun Easter eggs. And I notice it in a lot of other films as well. Yeah, my son, who's uh, he's 12, he just loves to point out, Dad, there it is again. So, Matt, as teachers, do we have an assignment this week? Yes, we do. So to kind of help you pay attention to the sound aspect of films, I want you to grab a piece of paper, pull up your favorite scene from Star Wars, and focus on the sounds. So keep a music journal or emotion journal, whatever you want to call it. And while you watch and listen to the movie, describe the emotions that you're supposed to feel. Or if the movie has light motif like Star Wars, Write down what character, group, or idea the music is supposed to represent. It might also help to draw an emoji, a smiley face, or even just arrows to represent the mood and tone of the music. It can kind of be hard to capture emotions with words sometimes. So simply drawing an up arrow to represent when the music feels like excitement or a down arrow for slower, more melancholy music uh, might be useful for you. I kind of like the idea of using the arrows uh, because it can almost create a the up and down of the story itself. Uh, or just use whatever pictures or emojis work best for you to keep track of the music itself. And if you're feeling especially brave, you can journal a whole movie and pay attention to the music for the whole length of the film. Yeah. And I Side think... Note that, on, oh, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think that there's positives to doing that in both ways. If you want to do yeah. a, a straight watch through just doing like an up and down arrow might work really good just so you get the flow of it. Or if you mm-hmm. want to be pausing uh, and take a little bit more time to describe uh, as it going through that just, you know, there's benefits to both ways to doing it. Yeah. And the last Jedi, if you have the Blu-rays, I'm not sure if it's on the DVD or I know it's on the digital copy. Uh, they have a score only version of the last Jedi. And that would be a really interesting way to journal through that movie because you're forced to listen to the soundtrack and nothing else. Uh, We also have a special clip and we'll link it down in the show notes to really emphasize what we've been talking about today. Uh, We've taken a clip from the last Jedi and created three different versions. One is just the original version and the other two have different soundtracks playing. So with your music journal, watch and listen to the three versions, noting down what emotions, characters, and ideas pop into your head while you watch the three different ones and kind of compare them. How do the different versions feel and how might each version foreshadow different events later on in the movie? Yeah. And I really like this clip because it does kind of take you on a ride through the different emotional beats. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to see which one you think actually works better, especially when you watch it just kind of out of context. And yeah. uh, I think they're all powerful. They all work mm-hmm. for different reasons. So I, well, I like encourage your listeners to listen to that. Yeah, and I like that clip especially because it's it's one of the few moments that at least I could come up with off the top of my head where it's almost music by itself creates the meaning for, of the scene, right? Yep. And different music would give you drastically different readings of what's going on. Awesome. 
Okay, and then as our last thing that we're going to do today, um, we're going to actually do a scene-specific commentary, and it's kind of cool that it's the scene that happens right after yeah. uh, the clip that Matt's provided. So if you have a copy of The Last Jedi, and you want to cue that up to one hour, 17 minutes, and 50 seconds, you go ahead and pause us and cue that up. Okay, I've got mine queued up. Matt's queued up as well. Yep. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to count us down. I'm going to say three, two, one, play. And then what's going to happen is Matt and I are going to go ahead and pull out as best we can from the from the film what light motifs, what sound effects, anything else that has to do with sound uh, from this clip. And this is very much the way that we would teach uh, this film. The commentary would be what we would provide for the students as well. Okay, so three, two, one play so immediately you hear the rain mm -hmm. that's definitely not recorded on set that that's got to be foley yeah and that sound right there if, if luke getting hit in the back foley as well You get a little bit of Mickey Mousing there as she's swinging. You can hear the music moving with the, with the weapon. Mm -hmm. And you get a little bit of Ray's theme there. Right. Of course, the lightsaber sound effect. And now you get voiceover for one of the few times in Star Wars. Yeah. A little bit of the Imperial March there, a leitmotif. Right. You have the kind of faded in uh, screams. Kind of hear the music building a little bit. Music starts to build. And you get Kylo Ren's theme. And that sound effect right there, I think, is really interesting. That kind of scream right at the end. Yep. It's like everything's through a little bit of a filter to mm -hmm. make it an otherworldly quality. Yeah. I mean, as a flashback, it's not. It shouldn't sound like it should sound in real time. It should sound different. And they, you know, the filmmakers, especially Matthew Wood, uh, worked hard to get that to happen that way. We should also, yeah. of course, give a nod to uh, John Williams, who writes all the music for these films. Naturally. All you hear is the rain. And then the music to underscore a little bit building. That great Doppler effect of the Millennium Falcon flying by and then leaving. And now we have the slow building 
force theme light motif. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because this is foreshadowing what's about to happen, right? Because Luke is about to kind of reconnect to the force. Yep. And we're going to go ahead and stop here. So that's just a sample of the things that you can pull out on more listens. You'd, you'd pick out extra stuff, but there, I mean, there's definitely very, very clearly three light motifs that you hear at least. Like I said, I think there's a little snippet of, of the Imperial March in there as well, but you got Ray's theme, you got Kylo Ren's theme, you got the force theme and all that great Foley sound effect with the lightsaber and the rain and the thunder and lightning. Yeah. Much artificial and created, you know, or amplified to provide meaning. Now I've got a quick question for you, Craig. Yeah. Was that the, was that the Imperial March or was that from episode three, that music? That's a great question. Which which theme are you thinking? Um, I can't remember the song exactly, but it feels like when Anakin is marching into the Jedi Temple. Oh, sure. Yeah, and so, you know, a lot of times uh, John Williams is using, he's creating new themes that are very much musically related to other themes. Mm-hmm. So what I think I might be hearing is, you know, it's it's not the Imperial March, but it could be a, a song that was kind of it kind of grew out of the Imperial March. Right. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing about the music, especially with Star Wars, because, yep. you, you know, cannibalize is a, is a negative word. Right. But yep. he's really using these these themes and these ideas from past movies and using right. them to inform the viewer. Because no matter whether it's Imperial March or not, it's bad. <laughs> and we right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the emotional uh, reaction to that right. to that music is the same. In, in, in either case, you know it's foreboding. You know that exactly. it's meant to say something evil is happening. That's what Luke is sensing. That's yes. why we're here. And in some ways, music is the perfect way for the filmmaker to represent that. Because just like in the in-world context, seeing the future through the force is not a for sure thing, right? Exactly. And so music is kind of not exact either. It's more of a feeling that you get. And so for Luke to get that feeling, the filmmakers represent that through music. Because just like the viewer, we don't see what Luke is seeing in that vision. It's a little fuzzy. It's a little hazy. And that's kind of the commentary that I think Last Jedi is trying to make is that Luke made a mistake. He saw a future and thought it was kind of predetermined and it wasn't. Right. And so I would also encourage our listeners that it's more about what your students are pulling out emotionally, what connections that they're having to the music, as opposed to I can successfully identify the force theme or Imperial March or what have you. Um, Because we're going to encourage you as we get deeper into this, we'll talk a little bit more about what our uh, extension of these, you know, first it's first level, I just identifying and then it has to do with like, what are the connections you're making with it? What are your feelings about this? What is it? What does it mean to you? Those -hmm. are the things that we're really trying to get to. So, I mean, that's that's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out our teaching resources at coruscantcc.podbean.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, just say hello. You can find us on Twitter at coruscantccpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash coruscantccpod, 
or email us at c3podfeedback at gmail.com. Coruscant Community College. Because the Imperial Academy isn't for everyone. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. All names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coruscant Community College unless otherwise indicated. Nothing more will I teach you today. You've taken your first step into a larger world. We will watch your career with great interest. Coruscant Community College, because the Imperial Academy isn't for everyone.